Rebag is a luxury resale marketplace. They have a curated collection of investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry. Each piece is carefully vetted and verified by experts. You can buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Hermes, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. That's Rebag.com to get 10% off your first purchase with code REBAG10. Betches Media presents Ha ha, laugh, funny Mention it all, a Bravo by Betches podcast We don't say that, but now we said it With me, Dylan Hafer Hold on, check me, boo Hey everyone, welcome back to the Mention It All podcast I'm Dylan Hafer and I am so excited to start off a new week With one of my good friends and a returning podcast guest You know him as an entertainment writer at The Grio Please welcome Jared Alexander Hi Jared Hi Dylan Welcome back to the show. So excited to have you back. How are you? I'm so good. I mean, I feel like we were just catching up. I'm like in between apartments. I'm like kind of all over the place, but also there's so much Bravo for us to (laughs) keep up with. There is so much Bravo for us to keep up with. We, I'm excited to chat with you about Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip, especially today, because this season kind of flew by. I was out of town for a little bit, and so I had a couple episodes to catch up on when I got back, and then all of a sudden it was the finale, and I'm like, wait, I feel like I've only talked about this like one time on the podcast, and not on purpose, just because there's been other fish to fry, Vanderpump-shaped, you know, Chilean sea bass, Uh, (laughs) but but now we got to talk about Girls Trip. I mean, Dylan, you're being a little generous. I feel like you were on your own Ultimate Girls Trip on your stories. Your oh trip was amazing. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, there was no Classe Azul. Uh, I think the tequila I was drinking was probably much cheaper. Uh, but, you know, at least there was no PowerPoint presentation about who stole the bottle at the end of the night. <laughs> you didn't have the run of staples. <laughs> <laughs> there, the, the Kinkos of Thailand, whatever. <laughs> I, you know... I don't think Pepsi was actually handling any of those requests. I think he was a very well cast uh, go between between like production and the women. But boy, did he really did he put up with a lot that week? He absolutely did. (laughs) Um, So, okay, so we can we can start just kind of like top level and then work our way down a little bit. What did you think of this season of Ultimate Girls Trip? I I really enjoyed it. I feel like. What's so hard with these shows is that, like, we wait so long for them. We hear these casts, especially with this one. Like, I I almost feel like this, we talked about this on your podcast, like, when this cast was first announced. And it never makes sense. And then, like, the first three episodes drop and you love them, especially when you see Housewives you haven't seen in a long time. And then everything just kind of falters. And I feel like this season really showed me just, like, how the format works and doesn't work. Like, I feel like... There's only so much you can talk about with people that you've only known for seven days, you know? Mm. I think, yeah, yeah, I think what you say about Housewives that you haven't seen in a long time is a key difference between last season and this season. Because season two, ex-wives club is the thing. Some of these women haven't been on the show for years. Some of them are a little more recent, but in one form or another, they're all former Housewives, whereas this season was quite the opposite where aside from Portia and Leah, these women had all just finished seasons of their main shows. When they filmed, they had just finished filming. When the show aired, they had just finished airing. So we really were getting for Potomac, Miami and Salt Lake, especially it felt like we were getting 
kind of an extension of what we just watched. And I don't actually know if that is the best route for this spinoff to take because part of, for me, what worked so well about the season at the Berkshires was it felt like we were revisiting and unearthing and kind of recontextualizing things from housewives past. And that was exciting. Mm -hmm. No, 1000%. I think, especially you could just feel from again, the Miami Potomac Salt Lake girls, a little bit of burnout from them. Naturally so. I mean, they all had really intense seasons, especially with each other. You know, if you have Candace and Giselle, Heather and Whitney, um, that made it, A, confusing for us as the viewer because we've already seen reunions for this. And then B, I feel like it just kind of took the air out of everything. And I and you're right. I think like with when it was all ex-wives, you were kind of just like going back and like, really looking through like old feuds and like old experiences. But what I did appreciate about this season is that it did feel a lot like one and that I feel like there was a, a, there were a lot of really fun, like fourth wall breaking conversations in terms of how they feel now being on the show. I feel like, you know, grappling with fame and social media or whatever and all those things. Like I find those conversations kind of interesting. Um, And I feel like we got a little bit more of those, but then we also got a whole lot of, a whole lot of nonsense to fill yeah, that space. Right. I agree. Like, I think Girls Trip doesn't need to just be intensity and fighting the whole time. Yeah. I think, obviously, we want those moments of tension on Housewives in any form. But, like, it, it was almost that the arguments and the feuds on this trip were, like, a little too grounded in the real world. Like, we didn't need, like you said, they had just finished filming Salt Lake. Like Whitney and Heather didn't need to be fighting more at that moment in time. What usually happens when you finish filming the season is then you can kind of go away and, you know, live your life, feel how you feel. And then you come back at a certain point and it's like, okay, maybe the chess pieces are moving now, but it's like Whitney and Heather were not going to come out of this trip to Thailand with any real progress between them. I mean, there were some some glimmers of bad weather being back together, but it's like, that's not real. <laughs> I mean, I literally was thinking back down to that Salt Lake City panel at BravoCon, because I remember at the time Whitney was like, we made up during Ultimate Girlship. We cried in the pool, like all these things that like we didn't know anything about. Um, and I think that is what's so frustrating too, is that we know by now that a big process on the show is not only filming it, but then watching it. And then you do, you see their confessionals and then you do press and it kind of creates like a whole storyline in its own in terms of the tension between the women. So again, it felt like, especially when this, this season started, like it was weird to see like Candace and Giselle like FaceTiming about going to the trip and like getting there and like kind of being fine. But then we know where they wound up at the end of this last reunion. It just made for a bit of a disjointed experience. Yeah. In Candace and Giselle and Whitney and Heather, it felt like maybe there was kind of a pressure or a directive. I don't know if this is coming from production or just from themselves to be like, yeah, we're Potomac. We're Salt Lake. Like we're here to represent and kind of be a team. But then at the same time, Candace so explicitly doesn't fuck with Giselle. And so it's like, okay, but if we're going to pretend to be a team, but that's going to fall apart, the absolute first second, anything is kind of tense. 
then it's like, why were we pretending to be a team in the first place? Like girls trip doesn't have to be teams of two. And in fact, maybe it works better when it's not. I think Leah and Portia this season is kind of a really interesting thing specifically because they were the two women who didn't have like a designated partner on the trip. And I mean, can you imagine if Portia wasn't there? Uh She was a last minute addition because Tinsley couldn't go for whatever reason. Portia, this season would have been almost unwatchable to me without Portia there. And no offense to Tinsley. Like I really do love Tinsley. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Same. Thank God she's going to go because I just think like, it was so nice how like Portia was like uh, the viewer's entry point because she's kind of like, you know, she's kind of disconnected from the housewives world now. So we're kind of able to look through her lens and not that I agreed with everything Portia did. Oh no. (laughs) um, But it was just so, she's just so funny. It was honestly fun to see her dynamic. I thought she brought out such a fun side of Giselle that I think after the past, just in Giselle's dynamic in Potomac, that's just kind of hard to see. Um, I thought that the drama she brought was fun. I think it just kind of helped. And honestly, I'm going to say here on the record, too, with Leah as well. Like, I think Leah did bring a lot to the show, for better or for worse, how you feel about how she handled it, if if she had an attitude or not. Of course, she got sick and missed some of it. But I do think that she brought a unique perspective to the show um, that created a lot of tension and, and just a lot of interesting conversations in the group. Yeah, I definitely, I would say with both of them, I don't, always see eye to eye with them. And certainly on this trip, I think there were points where Leo was kind of her own worst enemy in terms of actually forming bonds with people in the group, kind of bringing down the vibe a little bit. People aren't going to respond well to that either in the group or watching the show. I can't imagine what her DMs and comments look like right now because I people just love to be like, you're you're a miserable bitch like why are you acting like that but i do i do think her the the flavor that she brought to the group was something different that kind of added to the overall vibe of the trip and and especially considering that she's one of the only people on this show that we're probably not gonna see on a further housewives season or installment or whatever Portia's future to me feels a little more up in the air for Leah. It's kind of like, this is probably it. So I wasn't mad about having her, even if she was kind of a downer sometimes I'm like, yeah, sometimes on the girls trip, there's somebody who's a little bit of a downer. I feel like we've seen that every single time. I mean, unfortunately I feel like it was Cynthia in one, just like there's always someone who just kind of feels like, you know, a little bit out of the loop and a lot depending on their own dynamics. And I think with Roni too, there are still so many question marks. We know what the plan is now. There's still so many question marks in terms of that last season and just so much conversation around what worked, what didn't work, you know, who's quote unquote to blame for (laughs) Roni failing. Um, And I think that like there was a lot of there were a lot of loose ends there that a, a part of me is like really happy that they did offer this to Leah and that they were willing to kind of go there just because I think, again, that's just such a it was it was a rough time for us all that last season of Roni. Totally. And uh, and again, like I am not Leah's biggest fan in the world, but I also see her side in a lot of things. And I think the way that that last season of Roni panned out really, I think she got like an unfair level of hatred from a lot of people because it was like, 
this woman did not come in here and tear down this this dynasty of a show all by herself. And the same was true of Ebony, that I think the Ebony and Leah, I mean, Ebony for reasons that are racism, but they were both kind of like easy scapegoats for an audience who really just wants to see Luann and Sonia and Ramona terrorize the Upper East Side. But it, it was kind of nice to see Leah like at least get to do something else. Right. It, it wasn't the fact that it was like, you know, shooting through COVID in New York or <laughs> the three OGs who have been there for over 10, you know, it's like, but we, we've talked about this so much. Uh. It, it is just so, it was again, nice to kind of like reopen that. And, and to what you were saying about, about Portia too, I feel like similar to Tamara in ex-wives club. Like, I just think that like, in my mind, I'm like, it's a no brainer. Portia's coming back. Like it just like, and I think the break was needed. Obviously, there was so much that went on with Portia, especially that last season and in between. And I, I think Portia's Family Matters was, depending on how you look at it, maybe not the best look for Portia. So I think that this was so nice to just kind of like remember what you missed a little bit. I was thinking of the spinoff a lot because I think that spinoff really did kind of the opposite of what Portia maybe expected it to do, mm-hmm. that it felt like she was kind of graduating from Housewives and the spinoff was supposed to kind of like anoint her as this, you know, Queen Bee major draw, you know, favorite from the franchise who kind of had moved on to her own mm-hmm. empire a little bit. And it just, I mean, first of all, the show was not, I think that big of a hit, but also the content wise, it just didn't make her look very good. And I think this was kind of the perfect palate cleanser in terms of Portia. If you hadn't seen her on your TV in a couple seasons, a couple years to kind of just be like, she still is that girl. She's going to come in. She's going to, she's going to be fun. She's going to be shady. She's going to be kind of the life of the party, but also can be real. And I think with Atlanta, the new season comes back soon. And I definitely am. I'm excited to have you back to talk about it when it's on. Cause I, I'm excited for this season, but the way the group has gone in the couple of years since Portia left, she could slot right back in tomorrow. There's no, that group has not evolved to a place where it wouldn't make sense to have Portia in there. She and Drew are still good friends outside the show. She was been on, she was on the show forever with Candy, Kenya, Marlo, even Sheree. So like Portia coming back to Atlanta housewives is not a stretch of the imagination at all. It's just a question of whether she wants to do it, whether Bravo wants her, whether the timing is right. And I, I could see that happening next year. Yeah. I mean, I think too, I think she's one of the ones that Andy said, you know, the door is always open or or actually said pause or whatever. (laughs) But I do think that, um, yeah, I think it's really helpful in both ways. And this is where every single time for the most part, like, fans like we are in casting at bravo for a reason like they know what they're doing and i think it was mutually beneficial like i think taking portia out of atlanta with in the place we were in in her last season really helped the group kind of move forward because her and kenya i think were just at a place where they were just never really going to get along i feel like it's really helped kenya we've seen so many different sides of her and she's blossomed that like should she come back i feel like it would be different and that like the show Atlanta really has, we obviously still need to see this season, but I think we're going to look back and say that it's a show that really was able to bounce back from, from some pretty, some pretty low lows. Totally. They've, and they've been doing a great job with the promo for Atlanta this season. The the TikToks are great. The the ladies, their promo photo shoot, like everyone looks 
10 out of 10. It looks expensive as it should. Yeah. Calling all my honeys. Support for today's episode comes from Honey Love. Whether you're a bride, a wedding guest, or simply seeking everyday smoothing, Honey Love is the go-to for all things shapewear. Honeylove has revolutionized compression technology so you no longer have to feel like you're suffocating while wearing effective shapewear. For a limited time, you can get Honeylove on sale. Get 20% off your entire order with our exclusive link, honeylove.com slash MIA. Support our show and check them out at honeylove.com forward slash MIA. When talking about shapewear, Honeylove's best-selling superpower short is the go-to. It has targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas you want more support and areas where you need less compression. Their Signature X targets and sculpts your midsection without squeezing your natural curves. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. The superpower short is helping ladies everywhere sculpt and smooth from stomach to thigh by offering just the perfect amount of compression. You won't have to worry about it rolling down, which is unheard of in shapewear, thanks to flexible boning that's hidden in the side seams. This piece is also a booty lifter. Boost bands on the back and thigh give your bottom an amazing shape. Treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com MIA. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com MIA. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them we sent you. Move with confidence, thanks to Honeylove. Hey, I'm Andy Mitchell, a New York Times bestselling author. And I'm Sabrina Kohlberg, a morning television producer. We're moms of toddlers and best friends of 20 years. And we both love to talk about being parents, yes, but also pop culture. So we're combining our two interests by talking to celebrities, writers, and fellow scholars of TV and movies. Cinema, really. About what we all can learn from the fictional moms we love to watch. From ABC Audio and Good Morning America, Pop Culture Moms is out now wherever you listen to podcasts. Another show that is uh, now filming a new season is Real Hostiles of Miami. And we have heard that everyone's coming back. And this uh, this girls' trip finale, especially, a little bit rough for Marisol and Alexia. I think right? I, it's, it's, so, it's so hard because I feel like coming out of the first reboot season of Atlanta, Alexia was like on top of the world. Like she had gone through all of this these like personal, you know, struggles and family stuff. And she had kind of come out as like the, you know, unofficial queen bee, I think a little bit of the show. Mm-hmm. And from the most recent season to some of the stuff on girls trip, it's like, girl, just keep it, just keep it tight. Come on. Yes. Keep it's your mouth cool. shut sometimes. And I almost feel like Alexia and Marisol kind of, I feel like how season two ended I, I hesitate to say soured, but I definitely had a certain types of feelings towards Alexia and Marisol a little bit, but Alexia. But then I feel like the first big chunks of Ultimate Girlship, they were kind of fine. And in this last episode, someone tweeted this. It did feel a little like there were some nudges like, you guys haven't really given us much or like you guys have been a little quiet this trip. Like it's the last night, like what's going on with Alexia and Marisol? Because it just felt like it was out of nowhere between their feud with each other and the Whitney stuff, and like, correct me if I'm wrong, Dylan, but like, I feel like no one more than Marisol had Alexia's side with Adriana last season. Like, look, that it's tough because I like to see the two of them have tension with each other. I think that's interesting because sometimes they can be a little bit too much like 
frick and frack. Yes. Nothing interesting is happening there. It's just like the the buddy buddy routine. But that situation with Adriana and this guy who Alexia thought was married and she didn't scroll to the bottom of the thing and she refuses to apologize to this day. That is never going to be a winning scenario for Alexia to be bringing up and hammering in. Like, I don't understand. Like, I understand that Alexia culturally is very different than me. I understand that she has different views on things, is set in her ways on certain things that I can I can understand. It's like with the specific situation with Adriana and this guy, it's like, why do you think this is going to go well for you? Right. You don't you don't look like the the truth teller in this situation. You look like the the one who tried to stir up some shit and was wrong and got too deep and won't admit it. And so if anything, I think Marisol did have her back for the most part, but if she didn't, it would be perfectly understandable cuz you were wrong. <laughs> it absolutely makes sense. And that's the thing too, I think what we were talking about earlier about how this season filmed right after other seasons wrapped like to be fair, like, they didn't see how that scene would even play out at Nicole's party, right? So, like, they're just going off their memory. And maybe Alexia did feel in that moment, like, from what she remembered, like, everyone was getting up on her and she didn't know that Marisol didn't have her back. Sure. But even still to bring it up after you know how it ended, where, like, you said you didn't scroll to the bottom. But I feel like it just speaks to a larger thing with Alexia. There's just, there's like a zero remorse, never apologizing thing that I know people compare it to Teresa a lot and they do have a lot of similar qualities, but there's something missing. I think, I think Teresa can get away with a little bit more. There's almost like a, a little more charm or like, I, I can't even really pinpoint it, but there's just something oh. missing where like, I'm quicker to judge Alexia than like with Teresa, I'm judging her, but I still love her and give her the benefit a little bit. Oh. I'll pinpoint it for you. People think Teresa's dumb. <laughs> like, like, I mean, whatever. Say what you will. Teresa gives off an impression sometimes that things are kind of at a level a little above her head. Yeah. And so she'll say things or do things that are like, ah, oh, well, Teresa, she just, come on. You're like, whatever. Whereas Alexia, like, she feels like she's a little more in control of her faculties, I don't know. And so there feels like there should be a little bit more of a gut instinct that it's like, okay, that was wrong. I'll say it was wrong. And then we can move on. I, I don't actually know if Teresa is like less smart than Alexia. That's not, it doesn't matter really. I just think that's kind of like where people give Teresa a pass sometimes. But yeah, I mean, it's it's tough. And this is after the whole Bahamas situation where Adriana said the thing about Alexia's son. Like, that would be a way stronger thing to bring up in this case than like, when at Nicole's engagement party, you didn't say that you had my back. It's like, come on, who cares? <laughs> it's just like... Ay, por favor! <laughs> and then she does that thing that Teresa also does. And you're right, by the way. That is absolutely what it is. And it it maybe has been the, the secret to Teresa's longevity and success is that you could always kind of lean on that. And there is like a there's, a... there's a charm to that. But I think that Alexia does that thing too where like she isn't really someone who spars well. She just goes below the belt immediately. She mm. just like gets loud and then will be like, you just need to stop with the pills, bro. You just stop with the pills, bro. Like, it's just like, also the amount of, we need like a bro tracker. Bro, we, your I, brain is fried. <laughs> literally, I'm like, A, they say bro so much, but also like, 
she was throwing out stuff, like really hurtful things that like you just don't. Right, like the conversation about Whitney is separate and also oh really, really rough. But like Whitney is this woman that they barely know. It's, it, you know, they're saying shit, whatever. With When she's saying that stuff about Marisol, it's like, that's your best friend. And then tomorrow you guys are going to have to like go back home together well, and film another season. Okay. <laughs> and I, listen, I also do get like when you're on a vacation, especially when you're sharing a room with someone, like you always hit that last day. Yeah. And you're just done. And you less like, you need a break. I totally get that. But the it would have been maybe a little more interesting if it was just about the way Marisol was for the trip instead of like bringing up that thing at Nicole's engagement party because I think it just it, it just fell flat and then like you said later on that conversation with Whitney was was rich yeah I I think you made a good point though about Alexia kind of going below the belt because I think on this trip especially seeing her juxtaposed with someone like Portia someone like Candace uh, even even Giselle sometimes like the way they just have that quick wit and will say things that can be really cutting but aren't actually about anything really that deep that it's like oh yeah like you know Candace calling Giselle like neck rolls it's like is that a nice thing to say no but it's not saying that she's like a bad mom or you know addicted to pills or something like that right it, it definitely, and that's one thing I do like about these shows is that you kind of see the different styles in which these shows and these women navigate and how they translate or don't. And like, <laughs> one thing that I was meaning to talk to you about too was like the whole conversation around shade in this season and what it means and how you can't like, there was a whole part where they were like, well, no, that's passive aggressive shade. <laughs> I think shade in and of itself is a little passive aggressive. Like, you're literally being shady. So it's, it just like turned into this whole thing where like they were kind of like going through the, it was fun to see like Alexia be like, Oh, that's what it is. When it's like, I've, I've seen Alexia say some like pretty passive aggressive, pretty shady things. On the show right. Before. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's again, like those parts are, are fun, but also it's just like a very interesting. Yeah. And <laughs> it's like watching the Twitter discourse over like what is camp? It's like oh, I can't that's exact. we need we need notes on shade, literally. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, that's just that's just you being like a horrible bitch. <laughs> right. And then uh it's yeah, it yeah. Well and I think that's why the the conversation about Whitney that really Alexia and Marisol were kind of tag teaming shaming Whitney even though they claim they weren't about smoking pot and dancing on the pole it's like those are things where they sort of frame it in a way of like no I'm just trying to ask questions because it's different than me and I want to understand and it's like yeah but there's a way to bring something up it's the same it's the exact same vibe we had with Larsa's OnlyFans stuff in season four of Miami where it's like oh no 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 I'm not judging I just am like you really send pictures to guys? That's crazy to yeah. me, but not judging. It's like, no, we, this whole conversation is is like rooted in judgment. You're right. That literally is her MO. I mean, that's what she did with the OnlyFans thing. Also, Alexia did that. I felt like the whole conversation with Nicole and her dad being like, for me, I'm old school and like, and my father is my father. He's in my life. Like, I'm not judging you, but like, he's your father, bro. It's like, no, like it just always comes from that place of if you say you're not judging, that it isn't rude or even condescending sometimes. And I just think it was, it was interesting to see everyone at that table, even Giselle, like yeah. Portia, like everyone be like, um, 
<laughs> what are you saying? Like, let's not judge her as a mother on the show. Yeah, and I think that's it. That says a lot when when it's somebody like Whitney, who I mean, it, Whitney was not like the the bottom of the barrel of this trip. Like, she got along for the most right. part with everyone, but for people to really be like no you can't say that like you know you've you know you've gone wrong when like even Portia's like that's a fucked up thing to say <laughs> and it it does come into the thing of like almost almost all of the women i think eh, except for Marisol and uh Leah i guess and Candace okay so half the women have kids on this trip but right. like you really just don't critique someone's parenting especially when it's somebody who you've never experienced as a parent. You only know them from this week-long thing where their kids aren't there. And it's like, yeah, like that's another situation where it's like, that's just not going to be a winning argument for you. So why are you even going down the road? Right. And then it, it really felt like Marisol then too, like, did she really care? Or what, did Alexia just like bite her head off for not defending her? And then she just came in being like tripling down on this. <laughs> Thing. And honestly, again, this is where, like, I think Leo, she kind of said the quiet part out loud when she talked about Alexia's ex. I mean, she just kind of put it out there. And it was nice to see someone just say it because the hypocrisy was was very clear. Right. And Leah kind of posing the question of what it's like, OK, maybe that had nothing to do with her as a parent. Maybe that was a separate situation. Maybe we're not going to talk about the stuff you know, with her son's allegations and whatever that they're denying and that got dropped or whatever. Like there's, it's just kind of like, you know, your front porch might not be that, uh, that clean either. So I don't know why we're really going after Whitney for like legally smoking a joint. (laughs) Also like just the whole conversation, like at this point, I just feel like I'm, we have again, and we're going to be talking about Jersey, but like, I feel like we're talking a lot just about weed usage (laughs) lately. And it feels like a five year late conversation on housewives. A five-year late conversation, though, I I don't know if you have heard this story. I feel like you probably maybe have. But when I think it was Tamara's, one of Tamara's last couple of seasons before her pause, when she filmed a whole event for her CBD company, and then they like planned it for the show, it was filmed, people attended, and then they cut it from the season because like CBD didn't clear the legal standards or whatever of right. NBCU. And it's like, wait, so that wasn't even like weed weed. <laughs> that was like CBD gummies to right. go to sleep. And then now it's, it really has changed so much in just a few years that on Peacock, we're literally smoking a blunt on camera. Uh, you know, Jennifer Aiden, <laughs> Jennifer Aiden's getting blazed every night in the pool house or whatever. I love it. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting conversation. And to think of over the years, like all of the women on these shows who likely have been, you know, partaking. And that just is something that we couldn't ever acknowledge before, which feels dumb, but it's kind of nice to feel like we have a little bit more of an accurate depiction of like, Oh yeah. Like, Jennifer Aiden, you wouldn't necessarily picture her as like a stoner who, you know, smokes to unwind at night, but that's like a fun little flavor of her. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, even in the last couple seasons of Beverly Hills, like the running gag is like Mauricio is just like always high whenever they're filming. And I think it does. I mean, listen, we see these women get blasted and drunk on almost every event and we just know how reality TV works. Like they're probably drinking for free and they get to drink as much as they want. So It kind of is like, it feels like it is a long time coming, but you are right that I'm sure 
there have been so many just like television rules and regulations that kind of kept those conversations from happening. Um, yeah. <laughs> and that, and that even, uh, even we're wondering how to talk about weed. Margaret had to apologize for calling Jennifer Aiden a drug addict. It's like, yeah, okay. That was, I, uh, I respected that apology. Cause I was like, you know, yes. <laughs> it's not a helpful addition to the conversation. He's not going to apologize for calling her disheveled. She's <laughs> but... <laughs> like, I mean, look at her, but <laughs> <laughs> did you, you, Oh, I know you watched the Jersey after show last week because you texted me about it. But, um, when they were talking about Booga Wolf oh. <laughs> and that it means like a washed up club rat or something. <laughs> Margaret was like, I look great in the club. <laughs> I look great in the clubs. Jennifer looks disheveled. Have you seen her hair? <laughs> we literally, I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but <laughs> there's so much. Oh my God, Booga Wolf. It's just like, it's so ridiculous, but in a way that I am just kind of delighted by. I am delighted by it. I will say I kind of want to put a, a nationwide ban on like, Really quick turnarounds on merch for like logos. And oh, stuff. is there is there Boga Wolf merch? It isn't merch, but at the you know Jersey reunion was last week, which I'm like already so nervous for. But Jen after was like filming her Instagram story, and she was on her way to get pizza, and she had a T-shirt and and like Got Milk campaign font that said like Boga Wolf. Or, I'm a Boga Wolf. Or no, listen, Margaret did the same thing with Endorse, but like I do think just like. The turnaround time is a little too fast now. Yeah, I think Scandaval was kind of a watershed moment for the reactive merch community. Uh, because, look, I love a good piece of reactive merch here at Betches. Every now and then we'll turn something around quick. Um, but it is kind of like it's a little too meta in a way that it's like, Obviously, we've pulled back the fourth wall enough times that it's like, we know, you know, that you're on TV and that what things you say can have this kind of like lasting impact or whatever. But when you are like the one directly playing into it, it starts to feel a little bit less fun, a little right. a little less real. And I guess with Scandaval, like the stuff that was happening was real in the sense that it was like not when they were filming the season and it was playing out in real time, but it's like the fact that Lala can say on her Instagram story, send it to Daryl and then immediately turn around and make a shirt out of it. You then almost start to question like, did Lala already have that shirt mocked up before she posted the Instagram story or like, did it, how many tweets did it even take for her to be like, and that's a catchphrase. Cause it's like, I don't begrudge these people kind of like profiting off of their TV, you know, endeavors. Yeah. But like I did the other day have to stop myself from purchasing the every night is VPR night hoodie. Cause I was like, it's so cute. And it's like kind of iconic, but then also like, where in the hell am I going to wear this? Right. That is the thing with the merch too. Where are we going to wear these things outside of like maybe a BravoCon or something, but you're right. I think, it's all about the timing and, and the turnaround, too. Because it's one thing if, like, the season airs, the dust settles, and then it's one of those lines that, like, like if, like, a year later, there's, like, oh, it's, like, a, your husband's in the pool mug. Like, that's different because it's something that feels like it was lasting and that, like... But it's another thing if, like, the next day after you said it on Instagram, <laughs> not even on the show, that it, like, becomes a thing when, like, sometimes, especially now, like, memes come and go. Like, things... It's really hard to, like, have moments that are, like really lasting in the in the Bravo fandom. 
One of my favorites, I think, for a long time will be Meredith Marks's LGBTQ rights. I'm engaging. (laughs) (laughs) The best pride content that has ever existed. I can literally see that exact Instagram post. All of Meredith's, that first year, year and a half, like every Instagram is seared into my brain. There is something about it. Yeah, there's there's like an iconic language of Meredith Marks that I feel like really for the first like two seasons of Salt Lake was just like so strong and so recognizable. Like her, like, I don't know. It's just like, Oh my God, her little, like (laughs) her little laugh her I'm disengaging her in that bathtub. The day that Jen Shaw got arrested, like love you, baby. Bye. Love you, baby. Bye. I, I still enjoy Meredith. Like, I think she's a, a, a great piece of the puzzle in Salt Lake, but it's like those early days, it was like, who is this creature? (laughs) Right. I know. I mean, here's the thing, Dylan. I feel like we always have these conversations and I'm always sick and tired of these shows and these women at the end of their seasons. And now like I'm seeing little blurbs of them filming and I'm like, I can't wait. (laughs) Like, (sighs) Yeah. So, uh, so Heather Gay had a book event (laughs) in Salt Lake and uh, Lisa and Whitney were participants in the book event. And so it's like, we're filming another season. Everybody has to get along now, or at least pretend to. It's like, uh, sure, okay. Right. I feel like we're in a, like, a lot of shows are in production at once right now. Like, it's like Salt Lake is in production. We have Beverly Hills, Potomac apparently start. Like, we. Miami's filming. Yeah. Miami. It's, it's a lot. I mean, if we ever are going to get an Orange County trailer, like, <laughs> that's ready. I know the New York ladies are you know, getting ready to go. So I mean, there's, there's a lot to be done. Dubai is filming too. Yes. Dubai. Um, Oh God. I, I like keep forgetting that Dubai is a thing that we have to pay attention to. Again, I hope season two is great. I am. I'm definitely going to check it out, but it's like, I'm like, Oh, right, right, right. It's not just, we have a whole other, uh, Right. continent to think about we have to remember caroline stanberry again <laughs> oh my god oh. although we are going to see chanel Ayan probably at Teresa's wedding so <laughs> that's true that's true tomorrow only on disney plus my name is taylor welcome to the heiress tour experience taylor swift's record-breaking heiress tour Sierra's Tour, Taylor's version, with four additional acoustic songs. Streaming tomorrow, only on Disney+. Plus. Speaking of Teresa's wedding, as we are getting toward uh, the end of this season of Jersey, I feel like one thing that I kind of appreciate this season is that there doesn't seem to be kind of a forced friendship quality to it, that it feels like people are kind of comfortable just like being friends with who they're friends with and not fucking with the other people. But then also it's like, where do we, where do we really go from here? How have you been enjoying the last kind of few episodes of the season? I have to say, Dylan, I'm going to put it on the record here. I think that this is a great season of housewives. And I think what the thing with Jersey every year is that the conversation online, honestly, it just like two particular apps is so like team Melissa, team Teresa, that you kind of like 
can't even like look at what you're actually seeing because it's just like at the end of every episode, people are just like posting receipts and like texts that they found and like random things. But like, I think the actual bones of the season is so refreshing and fun. I think every episode has been good. I think everyone is bringing it in their own way. I think there's a lot of women, but it's really working. Like this is one of the biggest casts we've had in, in Housewives period. And it makes sense. I think Jen and Jackie as friends are so fun. Jen Fessler and Jackie. Mm-hmm. I think, again, Marge and Jen, like, I think they're probably going to be sparring for the rest of their time on Housewives. And every time it's still entertaining. I think that the Teresa and Melissa stuff, it is intense, but it has reached a point where it's nice to see them not fake it anymore and just, like, say exactly how they feel. Um, who else am I missing? Danielle and Rachel, I think, are such good fits, too. Like, I think they both are very different, but are good fits. So I think that people who are kind of hard on this season... It has a lot more to do with, like, how they feel with the Teresa and Melissa dynamic or Teresa and Melissa right. show versus, like, I think the actual season is one of the best of Jersey for sure and one of the best we've had this year so far. Yeah, I think this season is especially notable due to the three new women who are all, I think, contributing a lot to the show. And it's maybe one of the most successful kind of, like, soft refreshes that a show has had with, without losing anyone from the prior season. The right. fact that they brought three new women onto the show and all three of them, I think, are doing a great job is kind of remarkable considering the casting the last f- couple seasons in Jersey has kind of been struggling. So it, it is kind of funny because I've seen people on both sides. Obviously, it's like the newbies have sort of picked sides in the group because how could you not? But I'm really enjoying all three of them as housewives characters. And I've seen some people kind of either disparage Danielle or disparage Rachel and Jen, depending on what side of the Teresa, Melissa dynamic they kind of fall on. And I, I just got to say, it's like, I understand if you're like a diehard Teresa fan, Rachel Fuda is not going to be like your personal fave. But in terms of saying that she's bringing nothing to the show, saying that she's boring, saying that Jen Fessler is cringe or try hard or whatever, it's like, what do you want? (laughs) Like, because if they had cast three new women that saw things the exact same way as Danielle, that wouldn't work. That wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't, further the cast dynamic at all. It wouldn't create new storylines for new seasons in the future. So I think what they did was like super smart and maybe worked out even better than they would have expected, which is that you've added really great fresh life to both sides of the equation. Yes, that's exactly it. And I feel like we have this conversation, Dylan, about you can like insert city name here, but I feel like it's the same with this. It's like, what I want in my housewife shows are like dynamic. I want it to be entertaining and you need foil. Like you need like two sides of the equation every single time. You can't just take, like get rid of, you know, the main antagonist or protagonist or whatever way you look at it. It's just not going to work. And like, for example, like there was like a tweet under, it was like a tree hugger account or something. And it was like, Oh my gosh, next season at Andy, it was like fire, Margaret, <laughs> Jen Fessler, Rachel, Buda, <laughs> Melissa, Jackie, it's their time to go. I'm like, there's no air in the show. Like as entertaining as Jen, Danielle and Teresa are like, you need people for them to engage with and not get along with or, or get along with. Like you just need that or else right. really how the show works. Right. It's like if you were to if you were to fire that whole 
side of the cast, you're going to have to find three more new women next season. And like respectfully, respectfully, there's not that many more bougie mamas in North Jersey that are ready to do this. It's like the pool is only so big. And like, I definitely think the the idea that kind of Melissa or Teresa, one of them might have to go after this season. I think there's a chance that that is real. Like I, who knows what they're thinking. They just filmed the reunion. So we'll have to see kind of like where things are, let's say a month or two from now, but like whether, you know, if they decide that it's Melissa's time to go, that's, one decision but that isn't gonna just like reset the whole cast in and of itself like they're not going to fire four people no and start fresh because this season like you said has had a lot of good pieces going on and a lot of interesting things and i've really been enjoying it and so it's like i think next season like we might be looking at a Melissa or Teresa leaving, but I don't think there are going to be a lot of changes aside from that because they just, they don't actually need them. They don't. And I think, again, we're like really used to looking at like the live ratings on like Twitter when they come out or whatever. But like there was like a big deadline report about the premiere. Like the ratings are actually really up with like delayed numbers and on Peacock and everything like Jersey is really doing well. So why would you mess with outside of, again, we need to figure out what they're going to do with Teresa and Melissa. But like, we've learned now it's really hard to cast on that show. Like if mm-hmm. for us to get to the place where even in now, it was like you had to slowly add Siggy and Dolores and then you kind of had to drop Siggy and then add Margaret. And then you, and then we introduced Jackie and Jen Aiden. And then like the show finally became, it took like four years yeah. for us to transition from like post Teresa camp to this. Right. And I think that like, we really have found, and these are, I think you said this in one of your other episodes, like, this is a group I can firmly say out of like any other city, these women hang out with each other all the time, all the mm-hmm. time. Like, they're in each other's lives. And like Rachel, who knows what, what the capacity is, but like her son is really close with Melissa's son. Like they are in each other's lives. And like, I just think it's, that is the secret to this show that like, you can't just throw someone like a Michelle realtor or, or, or Tracy, even though Tracy was friends with Melissa, yeah. you kind of just can't do that. And this, it just doesn't work. Right. There's like a, a secret sauce that you can't just, you can't pretend it's there when it's not. Uh, speaking of casting for upcoming seasons, I'm wondering how you feel about Deborah, the Sesame street character, maybe being in the mix on Potomac next season. Cause apparently she was, she's been spotted uh, filming. If it's so like, guest and i don't even want a friend of i want like a (laughs) guest like if she shows up at a party or two and we tie up some loose ends and maybe it's a really funny callback sure um we we talked about this last time too i didn't hate last season of potomac i didn't think it was a flop season i thought every episode is entertaining i think some of the dynamics were frustrating and obviously with the robin reasonably shady of it all um it was kind of a disjointed watch but like it was so funny even towards the end of that season so many accounts were like robin's done fire robin she's done she's never coming back and it (laughs) seems like we don't have a confirm she is coming back but why would you take out the element that like everyone is talking about like something that would be like an immediate shift in the dynamics in the group something that like everyone wants answers from her like Mm -hmm. i think i think it's gonna be exciting well and if you think about like 
I know the Wendy Williams show is no longer with us, sadly, but this is kind of what popped into my head. Like, if you think about hot topics on Wendy Williams, what is the thing that she would be talking about from Potomac? It would be whatever's going on with Robin, and it would be, did Candace's husband, Chris, you know, cop a feel on Giselle or something like that? Like, those types of storylines. And now, you know, you would see it with like, what is being pulled out on shade room? What is getting the page six coverage? Like all of this stuff. Those are the kind of key inflection points in the group at this point. Like I, I think other stuff that's interesting is going on, but it's like, it, it's not in their best interest to, you know, jettison the things that are creating the most conversation around the show. And I think, you know, similarly on Jersey, I think that's going to be the big question mark with Teresa and Melissa is that it's like, yeah, it's toxic, but also it's still getting the most tabloid coverage. So it's like, it's, it's a tough question. I I do think there's some, some soul searching to be done uh, within the production companies and stuff. But yeah, I mean like fire Robin is like a fun thing to make trend on Twitter or whatever, but that's not like a, a casting strategy. Right. And again, I think it's great that casting doesn't usually. (laughs) They're very good at their jobs. But even from what you're saying, like, I feel like we we talked about this. I think it's really easy to be like, obviously, Teresa is one of the biggest reality stars, period, to ever do it. But I think it's really easy to also discredit, like, the Gorgas and their their value at Bravo. Like, we talked about this, like, at BravoCon in the Javits Center, like, Melissa and Joe could not get through the convention. Like, I mean, through the entire center, like they were being pulled left and right. They're really popular faces of the network. And like, even though Twitter may sound one way, I feel like it's a lot. I think that the decision is a lot heavier than yeah. people who want to say like, oh, obviously just drop Melissa and Joe. Like they're a big piece of this equation of the success of a show for the past 12 years. Yeah. yeah. And when you think about, I mean, Jersey for a long time has been unique in how involved the husbands are and the husbands having solo scenes and having their own contracts and things like that. And like that, I think in a, in a certain way, I don't know, like contractually for like factually, but like that stems more from like Joe Gorga and kind of that group is built around him. I mean, yes. Joe Judice was, of course, on the show at one point. Louis is now, uh, you know, a pretty consistent presence as of, you know, last season, this season. Mm-hmm. But like when that group of guys is getting together, which is a key piece of Real Housewives of New Jersey, it's Joe Gorga kind of the ringleader a little bit. So I think that's another thing where it's like, it isn't, it doesn't just boil down to like, well, who's more iconic because I think, I don't think Melissa would even really argue that Teresa is, is like less iconic than her. I don't think that's the, that's not the, the, the issue here. So yeah, I I think it'll be a very interesting few months in, in the Jersey rumor mill. It will be a lot. And I don't know if you, you caught too, I think it was like around lunch, like before they brought the husbands out. I think what'll be really interesting moving forward too, it seemed like kind of a divide in the husbands because it was like Joe Gorga, Joe B, John Fuda, and um, Frank Catania. But then it was like Louis, Bill, and Nate Cabral. Nate, Nate Cabral. Were he's like in the, he's in the, the... They were not hanging out with them. They were not grabbing drinks with them or anything. And I feel like that makes for an... Again, a kind of interesting dynamic because it just seemed, yeah. It, this I think this reunion is going to be so stressful. Like I can't wait, but also like 
it's going to be so intense. Yeah. Nate Cabral, he's an Adonis. <laughs> oh, God. I, yeah, no. I mean, overall, I, I think this season of Jersey has been really entertaining. So I, I know some people are uh, are having trouble with it, but I just I, I can't relate. I don't know. I'm, I'm here for it. I can't get enough of them. I can't get enough of the endorsements. I can't get enough of Ireland. <laughs> I can't get enough of all the booger wolves. Oh, of uh, of Teresa asking, what's 80 euros in English? Oh, my God. <laughs> but again, that is the thing. What was talking about Teresa and Alexia? Like, yeah. there is something about Teresa again. She says stuff and you're like, oh, my God. Uh, well, did she say, uh, like, she said at uh, the Rachel Fuda brunch, like, trying to make a mountain out of a molehill or something? <laughs> Look, Mount, Mountain Out of a Molehill should be permanently retired as a housewives thing to say because the amount of times that that uh, figure of speech has been dragged through the mud. Uh, Ramona did it. I think everyone's done it at one point or another. The whole premise of Real Housewives is to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. A lot of things. That's fair. We got to get some different idioms to mess up, though. You know, we we can't get too uh, we can't get too complacent with our mountain out of a whole mill. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Jared, thank you so much for being here. I'm so glad we got to chat through all of these things bouncing around my brain today. Thank you so much. This was so fun. We have some good good Bravo food to talk about. So yes, uh, tell everyone where they can read your stuff, follow you, and everything. Yes, you can read all my things at uh, The Griot, and there should be some fun like Atlanta interviews and stuff coming up, which will be fun. And then you can follow me on Instagram at the Jared Alex, and then on Twitter at H-E-Y-Y, it's Jared. Hey, it's Jared. Amazing. Thank you so much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Don't forget to rate, review, and follow the show wherever you listen. You can follow us on Instagram at Bravo by Betches. You can follow me at Dylan Hafer. Uh, and until next time, be cool. Don't be all like uncool. Mention It All is produced by Dylan Hafer, Sean Kilby, Jorge Morales Pico, and Rebecca Sousmacat. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Dylan Hafer. Guest booking by Dylan Hafer and Ali Friedlander. Be sure to follow at Bravo by Betches on Instagram and Twitter. Betches.